I've lived in Georgia my entire life. I don't have the southern accent. That's something people point out a lot. I can fake one. I'm told it's very horrible. You'll either get a redneck hillbilly or a southern belle. I'm not sure which will come out. Hillbilly Girl, I need you down to your knees right now. <laughs> oh, God. I love it. My husband sounds a little more country. Welcome to All in a Day's Sex Work. I'm your host, Blair Hopkins. Hey, some exciting news today. I finally got my act together and updated the website, so now we have merch. If you head over to adswproject.org, you'll see our new coffee mugs and the pre-sale for some pretty sweet Swap Behind Bars face masks. I love these masks. I ordered a bunch of them for our team, and I've been wearing them everywhere. They fit really nicely around the nose and the chin. They have our logo big in the center, and they're black. They're, they just go with everything. I've been wearing them like crazy. And they fit all adult sizes because the ear straps are adjustable. This pre-sale will go through the end of November for shipping the first week of December, and all proceeds go directly to the Swap Behind Bars Scholarship Fund. And speaking of the scholarship fund, we are now closing in on $12,000 raised. If you missed this last week, every year, Swap Behind Bars awards scholarships for incarcerated sex workers to study a range of subjects via correspondence courses, including paralegal and accounting. This program has grown exponentially over the last few years. In 2016, they awarded three scholarships, and by last year, that number had risen to 20. Each program costs about 900 bucks, which includes all the fees, books, and testing. Our goal this year is $25,000. Your contribution of any amount can help cover these costs, and all donations are tax-deductible. This is a great way to help sex workers exercise more agency in rebuilding their futures after long-term incarceration. It also immensely helps reduce recidivism. There is a donate link on the ADSW site, adswproject.org, and that goes directly to this fund. Quick shout out to a couple of folks who said some nice things about the show over on Apple Podcasts. Nikki Sixable says, quote, the stories in this podcast are all too familiar for so many of us, and I believe they help rehumanize sex workers to any listener unfamiliar or to those who objectify us. Each one of us has led such roller coaster lives and have all come to this lifestyle in such captivating ways. Thank you for your review, Nikki Sixable, humanizing and celebrating sex workers and elevating sex worker voices in service of pushing industry-specific labor and human rights issues to the forefront of public discourse is our goal here. And I really appreciate you taking the time to contribute your feedback. Shout out also to five-star reviewers Shop Dolly, Oodle, Kelvin, and my mom, who has shown up to cheerlead at every public-facing job I've ever had. Reviews are a huge deal. Not only do they affect our ratings and placement in the algorithms, but they also help people know what they're getting themselves into when they start a new show. So thank you all again very much. And speaking of reaching out, every week I remind you all that All in a Day's Sex Work is an ever-expanding dialogue, and if you're in or adjacent to the industry in any way, I would love for you to reach out. Today's conversation is with someone who did just that, Quayle Lavara. She's a dominatrix who specializes in difficult-to-achieve fetishes. She blends her commanding yet personable style to integrate lifestyle kinks like master-slave, vor, and feeder fetishism with a kind of life coaching. She's fairly new to the trade and works primarily online. We talked about her process of finding and monetizing her kinky side, what her career transition has looked like, and how she works with some of the edgier stuff in an ethical way. I thoroughly enjoyed getting to know her over the course of this interview, and I think you will too. I love that. I think it's great. <laughs> Maybe I should start recording videos with a fake country accent. I don't you know, know what? I'm sure that there is a market for that. I'm 100% sure. I mean, I have seen a market for just about anything. I. I've told my coworkers stories that I've seen because there's a couple that know what I do. Uh-huh. I'm like, look, I saw someone sell a small vial, like a teeny tiny vial of their fingernail clippings for $300 on many vids. How? 
Men, men as hell. <laughs> men are weird as a fuck. Oh, oh yeah. Trust me, trust me. I've had, I've got some good stories about men too. Well, I've only worked physically with people a couple of times. First was with my very first human puppy. His name was King. Um, so that was fun. And then of course my slave, who he came in, applied to be my slave, and now we're married. So hey. Oh, that's great. What was that trajectory like? Well. It was kind of interesting. So on my website, I have a slave application. That kind of helps me weed through time wasters on purpose because I require a tribute along with the application, and the slave pays the application fee. He apparently found me on FetLife, saw on my FetLife that I'm rarely on there, so find me on Instagram or Twitter because I'll probably never see your message ever again. And so he applied. He let me know on Instagram that he found me. And he did the tribute, so I'm like, okay, this guy's actually serious. I decided to take him on. We did online stuff, and then I learned, hey, he lives, because I lived in a different town than I am now, we learned we actually live 10 minutes away from each other. So we met at a Waffle House. We joked that we found love at a Waffle House. So that was cool. He brought me gifts. We have to remix that to, uh, to the found love in a hopeless place. Oh my gosh! Found that, love oh. in a like that. Oh. <laughs> That'd be amazing. That oh lord yes yes I got to do that now. You just do it. I mean, yeah, put it over your like um your wedding video or something. That'd be great. Well, that's funny. We actually got married at an attorney's office. With like the only guest was the photographer that works there. Two really fat cats and a yorkie. So it was perfect. Perfect witnesses. So you met your your prospective slave at this Waffle House, and then what happened? Well, we got to talking. Um, We also got to talking about just general interests. Like, I remember during one of our online sessions, because we did sessions through Kick, where we just texted each other. Because it was at a time of, I don't want you seeing me right now, unless you see my pictures online. And I don't remember what it was, but I mentioned something. I think it was something to do with Star Wars, and he's like, wait, you like that? So for the next hour, we talked about Star Wars. Yeah, we we met there, and then I had to go to work. I was working at a vet's office doing kennel work at the time. Uh, of course, we did the whole back-and-forth exchange thing, and I was dating a guy at the time. He was getting out of a marriage at the time. And then, you know, the guy broke it off with me again. It was like the third time he did. And I was like, screw that guy. And divorce proceedings went completely through, so he was good, whatever. We ended up catching the feels for each other, and neither one of us thought it would happen. And I'm just like, oh, crap, I'm catching feels for a slave. What do I do? (laughs) You're like, dear Abby. Dear Abby, I'm a dominatrix falling in love with a slave. Help me. (laughs) So what did you do? I mean, you married. Uh, like, wait, wait, how did you? Know well, that? yeah, really- yeah. Right after I caught feels, we got married right then and there. Done. Right now. <laughs> You're like, well, this is how it is now. Uh, yeah, exactly. So we ended up starting di- like we first met on October 13th. I know because he keeps reminding me of our what does he call it? Either domiversary or slaveversary. I forget which. But he remembers it. I usually don't. I'm bad at it. <laughs> Right. But he, he's got a dog tag he got and showed me. One side says property of Quail or Mistress Quail. I can't remember. I know where the dog tag is. I could look at it. And the other side has ten thirteen nineteen. That's the date we met. Then we started dating December 27th of that year. Yeah, he ended up one night he drank a beer or two and then confessed his, his love for me. And I was just like, I knew you were falling for me. How did you know? Oh, trust me. Part of my job is knowing what men do. Right. <laughs> She's like, come on, guys. I know most of your nature is just eat, sleep, and fuck something. Whatever. But we ended up going on our first date at an IHOP. So we, we really love breakfast. I love breakfast. <laughs> and you guys, you upgraded a little bit there. That's fine. Well, those two are very special places, either IHOP or Waffle House. But we have other places, too. But, That's true. you know... Up in North Georgia, there's not a whole lot of fancy things. I think the fanciest thing we have in my hometown, gosh, what is it? Either Outback or Red Lobster? Let's talk about um, your sex work story. Like, how 
how did uh, this come onto your radar as a potential profession? So it's a very, very fun story. I'll start from a little bit of beginning. I was a very, very sheltered child most of my life. Um, the only thing I knew about sex at all was I asked what it was because I saw it on a billboard. It was like, talk to your kids about sex. They are listening. Didn't do anything, like, adult-related. Like, saw porn for the first time when I was 18. And then about three years ago, one of my best friends, I've learned that she's a submissive with her sir. And they're like, hey, would you want to try this scene with us? I'm just like, okay, sure. Why not? So I ended up doing a scene kind of as a submissive with them, just seeing what it was. Eh, the submissive thing wasn't for me. How did you get from, I never even saw porn until I was 18, to, so anyway, then my friend who has a sir was <laughs> and I was like, why not? Like, how did you get, how did you get from there to there? Trust me, I don't even know. <laughs> like, this girl and I have been best friends since, gosh, I was in seventh grade, she was in ninth. So, and I'm 26 now. So... I think Tumblr had a part to do with it, too. Yeah, it's, a par- it's such a bad influence. Now I'm corrupt. <laughs> sure. I'm so much happier. The irony here is that, like, it's how you found your, you know, like, life mate. You know, that's, you know, it's not really I what the, the picture that people paint is, like, of some kind of, like, lonely, squalor-filled, you know, life of sin or whatever. You're like, no, I just fuck my husband a lot. And it's nice. I mean, I fucked him in the ass, but I fucked him a lot. So, yeah. Well, then the friend introduced me to FetLife, so I got introduced to BDSM and Pet Play at the same time. Because she's like, you love animals, you'll probably really love Pet Play. So I'm like, okay, sure. I look it up. I instantly fell in love with it. I'm mainly a handler. That's part of my dom stuff. I do have a couple of pet spaces, but I use them as very dominant. But, yeah, I fell in love with those. And then seven months later, I learned that, you know, people can sell BDSM stuff online. And I was like, oh, hey, you know, I enjoy this kinky stuff. Why not try to make money off of it? So I don't remember how I learned that, though. (laughs) Oh, gosh, it was probably through Instagram. Yeah, yeah, it was. Because I ended up joining this online sex group, and that's how I met one of my dom friends, because I was the only dom there. And being a brand-new baby dom, I still had no clue what I was doing. Then I met one of my dom friends who lives in England, and she's been in it forever. And she took me under her wing and helped to make me what I am now. So I know the beginning is very fragmented. (laughs) Well, it's just like, you know, life comes at you fast. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, seven, mo- seven months between, you know, oh, discovering I'm a dom to I'm going to sell myself on the Internet. Yay. What do you, and you said you've done a few in-person sessions, and, you know, it sounds like you're just kind of getting your feet under you a little bit um, and discovering still what you really like to do. What is it? Oh, yeah. How did it feel when you first, you know, did, like, pet play or, or something else where it just, like, really clicked with you? Like, what was that like? So the first time doing pet play, it felt completely natural and wonderful. And like I've told pets that I've worked with either online or physically, I've grown up with animals my entire life. I grew up on a farm. I've worked with vets. I've worked in a zoo. I've had dogs, cats, all sorts of things. So being the handler, trainer type was just kind of already in me. I was like, wait a minute. This is like grown. It's like a grown-up version of pretend. They pretend to be an animal. I pretend to be their owner, and everyone's happy. I love it. Part of what I enjoy is like catering to fetishes that people like, even if I personally don't care for them, because I like making other people feel good. Money's a bonus, of course. But it's kind. It was kind of like you know we are both having mutual enjoyment out of this. I think that pet play is a little um, far down the spectrum of, like, of kinks that people really, like, know about. Can you oh, yeah. go into what 
pet play is and what it entails for for you and for other people, but specifically for you. But oh yeah, so pet play is basically it's a type of power exchange, just like dominant submissive, where the submissive plays and like role plays as an animal. There are many examples of that. I'll go into that in a second. And the dominant plays a handler, or they could be an owner or a trainer, which I learned later on there are distinct differences between the three. But that's essentially what it is, is having that role play. You treat the other person like that animal, but obviously don't literally do all the things. So, for example, the very first one I got into is puppy play. That's one, that and kitten play are the top two that people really, really like. So with puppy play, you know, I play the handler and the submissive plays the puppy, and they enjoy, like, getting a collar put on them. I'll do basic training with them, give them, quote, unquote, treats. Like, I don't know, it could be M&Ms, could be gummy bears, whatever little snack they like. I'll play ball with them. I'll sit on the couch with them and just pet them. And that's what they really enjoy. I mean, some people take it a little bit farther than that and have them, like, eat out of dog bowls or use the bathroom outside, which I draw the line at going to the bathroom outside. But that's pretty much what it is, is the role play of you're role playing as an animal, I'm role playing as a person, or how I like to describe it as, like, grown-up pretend. Like when you were a kid and you were like, I'm going to pretend to be an animal. Kind of like that, but more for grown-ups. I think a lot of people are uncomfortable with the prospect or maybe they misunderstand it as sexualizing animals. And that's not really oh, what it's oh, about. Because it's not really even that sexualized. No animals are involved at all. No real animals or what they're called with pet play, bio animals or biological animals absolutely not involved that is called zoophilia that's wrong no these are people pretending to be animals there's not an actual dog or an actual cat in there because that's that's just weird you know i don't think shame but that i, would be, I do that like to shame would be weird. it's weird enough like i think even a lot of like vanilla couples get weirded out when the dog like well you know like the, some, everyone's got a cat that stares at them while they're fucking their partner and you're like this is very creepy. Get out of this room. <laughs> oh, when my husband and I were dating and we were fucking in my room, I had at the time two Weimariners and I had to close, I had to close them out of my room and they would start, especially mine would freak out when I'm making noises because he thought I'm getting injured. So he scratched at the door and I'm just like, buddy, I'm fine. So I never had an animal watching but it was him thinking I'm getting hurt. Yeah. It's like, I'm okay. So afterward we let him in. I'm just like, guys, guys, I'm okay. I'm okay. So I mean, there's you know, puppy play and um, there's a lot of stuff online about like like pony play. There's some really wild. Oh, that's a big one too. I actually do both puppy play and pony play. Those are my two little head spaces. But I cater to a bunch of different pet spaces. Mainly puppies. I've done kittens. I want a pony so bad, but we'll get there. Right now, I actually have a pet that lives in Norway who likes to be a raccoon. That's a thing. So specific. Like, you could have wild, you could have wild animals like deer and mice and foxes. Wolves are a big one. You could have mythical creatures. Like, I've heard of dragon and unicorn spaces. Not met anyone with them, but I know they exist. You name it, it could be an animal headspace. I would imagine, I mean, this is, hmm, it's like a BDSM furry, basically, is the whole, is the premise. Oh, yeah. And the great thing with pet play is it can be non-sexual or it can be sexual. The way I do it with submissives is non-sexual. So there we not, we're not having sex, nothing with genitalia or anything. I, with my experience, will treat you as the animal you are wanting to be. And I've had submissives absolutely praise me for it. They're like, I want you to treat me like that animal. You have the knowledge of the animals. Like, quick and fun story, I worked with a guy who 
was a human pig. Those are also common. A man who is a human pig is completely redundant, but sure, go on. I I mean, I know. (laughs) He wanted to be treated as the animal pig, which is much better than a man pig or man bear pig. Okay, I'm going off topic again. <laughs> you beat me. You beat me to it. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! I'm super serial. <laughs> so he he's into feederism, which is another kink where somebody it's a dominant submissive thing where the submissive gets fed food and the dominant feeds it to them. And basically, the goal is to make this person huge and fat to where they can barely move. That's the fantasy. And he was also into the idea of vor, which is one of those taboo kinks, where it's the idea of being eaten by somebody. Um, But, of course, he wanted to be treated like a pig. And I was like, okay, dude. First off, I'm not for cannibalism. I was thinking that's like the perfect perfect natural conclusion to, like the the perfect intersection of all three of those kinks is make him a pig. Oh, Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. Kink is a strange, strange planet. I love it, though, but it's so weird. Um, So I was like, okay, first off, I'm not going to feed you till you're fat and can't move because I want you to have a quality of life. But his ultimate fantasy was being treated like a pig that's being raised to be slaughtered. So I went all out for this guy. Um, I took a day. I researched because I have some familiarity with pigs, but I never did a lot with them. I wasn't allowed pigs on our farm because my mom didn't like the smell. I wish I had pigs, though. But I looked up, um, like raising pigs for slaughter, looked up, okay, how much, what percentage of their body weight is used for slaughter? So with that in mind, okay, what do they eat? How much do they need to eat? Like what do you do with them in order to get them to that percentage body weight? So it combined everything he wanted into one. And I still have this file. I made a file that has him a feeding schedule where each meal he had, it specified, okay, like for breakfast, you can have milk, you can have a protein, you can have a piece of fruit. Like you can choose what it is. And I even had like a list at the bottom of what, like what grains he could have, like milk or water and, you know, fruits, veggies, whatever proteins. And then for the weekends, I'm like, this one you can go, huh, ironically, hog wild. Just eat whatever you want, how much that you want. The thing he had to do, though, was tell me every time he ate something and what it was. So I could always know what he had. And I also made him an exercise program. So we're like, okay, we're going to get your weight to this because a percentage of that goes towards slaughter. So we need to make sure you're still very muscled and toned because you don't want an animal that's filled with fat because their meat's going to suck. And he absolutely loved it. He was such a happy camper. He was fun. I had him for a few months, and then he ended up having to move far away, and he was sad that he couldn't actually come meet me. So he kind of kind of dropped me in a way. But that is one of my one of my most fond pet play memories is just all the time and effort that I put into and how excited he was. Yeah, one thing that's that's interesting is, you know, usually when things like feederism come up in the public consciousness, you know, it's in like a a Vice article or whatever where it's like this very sensational and and like usually a very unethical, um, you know, practice of this particular kink and, you know, in the right hands, I mean, you basically were this guy's personal trainer and dietitian in an unofficial capacity. Yeah, pretty much. Providing him a, a structure and sense of safety um, that allowed him to also fulfill something that was, like, part of his sexual identity. Like, I do the – like, I told him and what I've told other submissives, as your dominant – my goal is to also keep you like your health in mind, physical health, mental health. I want to know how you're doing. 
if we're doing something together, I want to know if you're okay with something, if you need to change something. And so that's why I told him, the theaterism, I'm not going to do that. I modified it to where, you know, he can do that to himself on the weekends. I still had to know what he had. But in order for your fantasy to work, and I guess how my brain works, you can't do this all the time because I like you to be able to walk and not have to go to the hospital for a heart attack, which some subs find it strange. They're like, you're actually so nice and thoughtful. Most doms we know of are just mean. I'm like, I, I can't speak for them, but, you know, I'm I'm actually a nice person unless you give me a reason not to be. Yeah, you also want to keep him paying you as long as possible, and that means healthy. I mean, yes. <laughs> I'd like to take a moment to tell you about Poshy Pets. Y'all remember Key Brianna, my guest in episode 26? Well, Key Brianna is also the owner and founder of Poshy Pets, home to all your pet's essential needs. Is bathing a stressful activity for you and your pet? Poshy Pets' specialized bath products cut bathing and pet maintenance time in half so that owners can instead spend that time having fun with their furry friends. Some of her most popular items are her homemade bath bombs, including the Smooth Coat Bomb, made with real honey that helps relieve rough and itchy skin and leaves your pet's coat nice and smooth. There's also the lavender-infused bath bomb, which will not only have your pet squeaky clean, but will calm them with wonderful, relaxing, fresh lavender and vanilla aromas. For pet owners struggling with unwanted odor, try the Stink Snatcher Bomb. This formula is infused with natural deodorizing ingredients guaranteed to leave behind a wonderful, fresh scent. And now that the days are getting shorter, take a look at Poshy Pets' selection of LED collars. Adjustable to fit pets of all sizes, these comfortable, colorful pieces have three different strobe settings to make evening walks safer for you and your pet. So all you pet parents, make your way over to PoshyPets.com. That's PoshyPets.com, P-O-S-H-I-E-P-E-T-S.com for all your pet's essential needs. How does your tribute structure work? So I get tributes in a couple of ways. I'm on different sites. Like I said with the application, they send a tribute through there. I, I'll i use At the moment, since I don't make a lot, a lot of right now, they don't know that I'm a sex worker because it is against their policy. Like if they figure out you are selling for adult entertainment, they'll yank your account. And then I have... My clip sites, one of them, I'm on many vids. When I do webcamming, they have the option to tip me there. Or if they're like, mistress, I want to tip you. And I'm like, okay, here's my usernames. Go for it. So that's that's kind of how I do it. There's not exactly a system. I'll, I'll get there at some point, though. How much can people expect um, to pay for something like this? Oh, gosh. That also varies. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're uh, doing a one-off session, it's different than if you're like developing a whole lifestyle for somebody. Um, obviously, that's oh, going to yeah. be a more like with pricing, like on my clip sites with many vids and clips for sale. Those are the two I'm on. Um, I will often charge a clip for a dollar more than the mi- amount of minutes. So, like a clip I just uploaded today was about 13 minutes. I charge uh, 14 dollars for it, and then it's kind of just guesstimating prices, like. I have photo sets that I sell, and I I literally looked up how much people sell their photos for and was like, okay, let's do math here. Or I have some bras that I have up for sale. And I'm like, you know what? These are probably about $20 each. Yeah, sure. Doesn't matter. One's from Victoria's Secret and one's definitely from Walmart. You won't know which one. It reminds me of when I first started shooting professionally. I, you know, granted – like, I didn't want to undersell because I didn't want to drive the prices, you know, participate in driving the prices down for my oh, yeah. um, industry. But I, you know, I, I got to where basically I kind of met people where they were at, right? I'd be like, this is what the, you know, I would tell people, and I do this now too, um, this is what the industry standard is. This is what my rate, you know, would be. You let me know kind of where you're at budget-wise. Oh, yeah. Like, I have one of my closest friends, he's also a photographer, trying to figure that out. My husband is an artist, so he tries to figure that out. Like, there's been sometimes I'd be like, you are going to charge them, right? And he's like, well, I don't know. Sweetheart, you need to charge them because you're putting a lot of time and effort into this. I watch you do this. You have to get to a place as a freelance artist of any kind. 
where you, you know, can be assertive because you operate out of a place of like, what if people don't want my service or what if I'm, you know, out, out, you know, overpricing myself and then people dip or whatever and, and pushing past that fear is, is. And I mean, I tend to see by example. So I've looked up what other, what other doms do. One girl that I've been following some of her advice, Amberly Rothfield, she says that she tries to make hers affordable to people. So that's kind of what I've been doing. I have seen doms that are like, if you even just try to send them a private message, it's like, oh, tribute me $200 or I'm not going to talk to you. And I'm like, that's a little outrageous just to initiate contact. That's kind of dumb. Yeah, although there are a lot of time wasters out there. Oh, I know. Most of the time, like, oh, gosh, my husband hears me complain about this all the time. Um, If I get messages that are along the lines of, hi, hey, hello, mistress, you're so beautiful, mistress, I delete them immediately. I'm like, you're not bothering to put any time in. Like, on my fat life, for example, I have a huge, long paragraph that's about me. And it's on my website, too. And I will flat out be like, if somebody pointed out what I said in there, okay, you took some time out to read this, you know? I mean, I've had time wasters where after a while I figured out they were like, oh, Lord, fake sugar daddies are a great example of that. And I'm like, no, I'm throwing you out. Bye. Yeah, you get you get a lot of that. I remember I had years and years ago, I went on a an OkCupid date with this guy who, you know, over the course of the date revealed that he was looking for um, a dominant, which is not my bag really, or wasn't then. I guess I could probably do a better job of it now since I'm older and meaner. But um, <laughs> I could give you a few ideas. Right. I, I think about that all the time. I'm like, why don't I monetize this? Why don't I monetize? Because I don't have enough room for another style. Just make fun of them or hit or, you know, consensually hit them with something. Yeah. And, you know, he would text me every once in a while. And because and, I was kind of like, well, I mean, you know, I am like a broke 20 something in New York. Like, if you're willing to pay for stuff for me to make fun of you, that's some kind of maybe I could do that. And. I kind of got to this place where I was like, this does not do anything for me sexually. So I should find some actual like use for this guy. Like maybe I have some pictures he could hang or some shelves he could put up or something. And so I, I gave him an actual like real world task that was very unsexy and he never contacted me again. (laughs) Well, actually funny you say that there are men that will do that. I'm talking with, a submissive right now who his big thing he wants to pay me to come to my house and clean it there are men that that is their thing they get off on doing household chores or cooking or doing stuff like that and i'm just like you know it doesn't get me off but i do enjoy a clean house and if you're offering to pay me to do it then heck yeah come on over like it's crazy what men will pay for and i mean probably also women too i've worked I've talked with a few lady submissives. They're not as desperate as men by any means because, I mean, women are pretty smart about that. <laughs> well, it's, you know, it's a, it's a seller's market as far as that's concerned. I mean, I see a woman spending too much money on a purse than on another model P or fingernails, which, yes, I've seen that on many vids too. A woman, same one selling her fingernails, tried to sell a small vial of her P for $400, and I'm like, okay, what? Not judging anyone that does it, just what? Yeah, also, don't you have to declare that when you mail it? Is that... <laughs> it's like, and how do you know? I mean, it could be just yellow water. It could have been you asked a hobo, hey, clip your nails and put in this. I don't know. Um, what What are some things that you really like about your job? Well, one thing, one thing I like, of course, is time, is like the time for it. I don't. Well, I'm working on a schedule right now, but I do have a lot of free time and can be able to bend and flex, do whatever. Because I like to call this job my part-time job since I work full-time during the day. And then I come home and it's like, okay, well, I'm going to shoot a clip today or we're going to do a photo shoot today. Or I'm just going to sit here and make fun of someone. I don't know. Also, I like interacting with the slaves that are actually slave submissives. Either one, I guess it's kind of interchangeable. I love interacting with them that actually want to put time and effort in. And, of course, interacting with fellow doms. 
Like there's some on Twitter that are freaking hilarious and I love them. Yeah, there's definitely like Dom Twitter is kind of a, a great big kind of um coven. <laughs> you know, it's really it's really good. You have to be Fun. careful though. There are such things as since my job is pretty much completely online, you hear of everything. You see a lot of things. Have you heard of the term Instadom or about thin doms? Yeah, I have. That's become that's become quite the thing lately. Oh Lord. Pretty much other DOMs hate them. Really don't like Instadoms at all. Or the quote unquote thin doms that are basically like, Oh, I'm eighteen and I'm a mistress and you're gonna pay me, loser. Like it's just like you don't know what you're doing. You just got on here hoping to make a cash grab. And of course men fall for that, but it's just knowing you're not authentic at all. Like they'll be like, Oh look, this guy tributing me a thousand dollars and you know it's fake. She probably like put her own paycheck on there or something and try to make it look like a tribute. Just they're usually very obnoxious and talk down about the doms that actually put in the work, you know? Which I'm there are thin doms out there that are real, actually put in the work. But the Insta doms are the ones to watch for because they, no, not at all. Yeah, and there's not really much in the way of a, um, a structure for, you know, reporting scams or, or abuse or anything like that except to go through the platform. And the problem is that, you know, as we all just learned with the Bella Thorne debacle is that when people start getting oh, reported, my Lord. You know, if people start getting reported, then the platform will clamp down on everybody. Oh, yeah. I used to be on OnlyFans. It didn't do well for me whatsoever. I got nothing out of there. And they already were in hot water for tax evasion. So, like, I want to say it was about a couple of weeks before the Bella Thorne incident, I already had deleted my account because I'm like, you know, if they go down, they're going to pull everyone down with them. I don't make anything here anyway, and I don't want to get dragged down. So, bye-bye. Oh, my Lord. Fortunately, I've been teaching my slave husband, or as another dom called him, husboy, gave him that term. Um, <laughs> if you've heard of Mr. Christopher and Anne from What's the Safe Word, that's they're the ones that gave me the term husboy. I love them so much. But um, anyway, so I've been teaching him about, like, sex worker rights and it's and about how no you don't want legalization you want decriminalization and explain that to him and then I explained the whole Bella Thorne thing and he got it he was just like this why did she do this I don't know because she's a she's a freaking spoiled little brat I don't know <laughs> yeah there's a lot of really interesting kind of like hierarchies and politics within the especially the online kind of sex worker class you know it's like you oh, said there's yeah. the, the insta doms who are the in and out and all the lifestyle doms hate them and you know whatever I, I think about like the aside from you know being drinking maybe a little bit of haterade which i think is actually totally legit like it's fine to to hate on i love the term haterade so much <laughs> me too um it's, it's the way i describe my relationship with elon musk just me drinking haterade um, <laughs> Nice. <laughs> back drinking haterade while he enjoys his billions of dollars and being a chode. Um, but <laughs> but uh, you know, yeah. I think that part of the reason that that lifestyle doms have so much disdain for um, the newcomers and do a lot of gatekeeping around that is that a lot of the like new young folks who are just getting on and doing it because they've heard it's a way to get quick money and whatever else don't actually have much in the way of respect for the people that they serve or who serve oh, them. Oh, exactly. And you can tell right away the difference between someone who is new that actually wants to learn versus the Instadoms. Like, it's super obvious. Like, I know for me, I immediately went to talking with other Doms. This is something that my Dom friend told me. Um Nira, if you are listening, I'm finally talking about you. No, kidding. But, um, <laughs> like, she recommended to me network. Get on Twitter. 
comment on these posts with other DOMs, see what they do, and, like, you can tell when effort's actually been put in. And I've had a, one or two DOMs even talk to me, and I'm like, look, I've not been in it that long, but I can kind of help. Oh, pet play? Okay, yeah, pet play. <laughs> but you can tell who is serious and who's just like, oh, this is an instant cash grab win. So I know that's not – you might get lucky, maybe. I mean, there are plenty of cute 18-year-old chicks around, but I don't know. So how would you recommend that somebody go about finding a service provider like this? Like how, do you, how do you keep guys from getting scammed, and how do you find somebody that, like, really meets your needs? Look on – like, FetLife is a good one. You can look on social media. You can look under different hashtags, which, of course, Instagram has been very iffy about it, things like hashtag BDSM or Femdom. They have been known to start trying to shut people down. Twitter is pretty good, though. Um, you can reach out online. You can look there. I mean, you can go on clip sites, look at clips that they have. If you do message them, do follow whatever rules they have. If they're like, please, you need to tribute me $5 before talking to me, like, don't be a little bitch about it. $5, that is a Subway sandwich. I mean, would you rather have sexual fulfillment or a sandwich? Wait, never mind. It's men we're talking about. They want both. <laughs> if I follow yeah, what they they're want wanting. They get away with, yeah. <laughs> I mean, right now a sandwich would be great. But anyways. <laughs> um, Especially you know, a pork one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm all for the breakfast ones. <laughs> That's true. You are. But Give me some from Waffle House. I actually really miss Waffle House. I I lived in New Orleans for a while, and I lived in Savannah for a while. So, I've, oh I've yeah, had, the cleaning guy's actually many, from Savannah. Yep. So I've spent a lot of a lot of uh, good long nights at Waffle House. Okay, their hash browns though are the best thing in the world. They really are. There's, I think, one of my favorite tweets of all time was somebody, and I, I wish I could remember who, who tweeted, <laughs> "If you roll up to Waffle House and your cook's not." smoking outside by the dumpster, your food's not going to be good. I haven't seen that, but I've seen a whole lot of Waffle House's redneck hibachi. Yeah, or, uh, oh, it, oh, it is. Or, um, that's the other really good one. I had, I just had an interview at, at Waffle House, and one of the questions was, can you fight? <laughs> I mean, I've seen some great waitresses there. They'll sit there and talk with you. They're absolutely wonderful. Like, we got yeah. talking, yeah. my husband and I talked to a chick about masks. Mask policies and politics. Okay, now I want to know if Waffle House has their own masks because if they do, I am I want one. Some do. Oh my god. Some do. Chick fil A, I've seen them. They have cow printed masks. They're so darn cute. Okay, now I'm on the Waffle House web store. Let's let's go. <laughs> I don't know if they sell any. All I know is I've seen them wear it. They do. They sell it. But I could tell Oh, they do? <laughs> Yeah, they sell a um, they sell a adult with a logo face mask. It's like six dollars. Oh, I gotta tell him this when it gets home. Hus boy, we're getting masks. They're Waffle House. Yeah, yeah, you are. Oh my God, my life. This is your this is your task, boy. (laughs) You're gonna order some of these masks. I don't give a crap. Oh, absolutely. They're cheap as hell too. Of course, they're cheap as hell. It's Waffle House. They're they're six dollars. Like every. For six dollars, oh, amazing! Well, what's the what's the political landscape looking like down there in Georgia right now? Oh gosh, a lot of Trump supporters. Uh, my my family supports Trump. My husband's family does. They only support him because they like the entertainment of whatever he is saying. I'm like, this man's an idiot, beyond an idiot. And I work around Atlanta, so he's come to Atlanta a few times, and we get to hear how stupid he is. But it is a very Republican thing. When you're closer to Atlanta, it is more liberal. When you're around the edges, it's definitely more Republican. But I do know a good bit of people that are like, no, we don't like Trump. I know I don't. I mean, I vote Libertarian usually. Um, most Libertarians are batshit crazy. <laughs> the one that needs to exist, though, is Vermin Supreme. If you don't know who he is, look him up. You will not be. You will not be disappointed (laughs) okay 
He ran for Senate. I think he is. I don't know if he is a senator. He wears a rubber boot on his head. He talks about free dental care for everybody and a pony identification system. This man is what America needs. Amazing. I'll check him out. Yes. I guess some of those kind of like backcountry independent third party candidates are are deeply entertaining. And it's, it's you know, it's like I, I would tell my relatives if they were, you know, like you mentioned, your family supports Trump because they think he's, you know, outrageous and they get a kick out of it. Well, no, my family actually, it's his family that likes Trump. Mine actually believe in his values. And we're just like, what values? Yeah. I mean, yeah, nihilism. Okay. <laughs> oh, good Lord. So how is, I mean, how is your relationship with them? I mean, obviously it sounds like you're not that close and they probably don't really know much about your personal or professional life. Uh, yeah, they don't know anything about what I do on the internet and I'm keeping it that way. And I know they would never listen to podcasts, so there's no way they'll hear this. But yeah, they they are controlling. Um, this past May, my husband and I, before we got married, like ended up getting in a like trying to tell them, hey, we are changing some stuff about the wedding. Like my fa- my family is known for gossiping with each other and saying things behind your back, but they won't say it to your face. Um. So we had told them, we're not going to make any decisions unless both of us are here at the same time. Um, my mother blew up. I ended up having to be the one to go console her because my dad won't do it. And she basically exploded on me. And I kind of figured out they've been emotionally abusive to me for 13 years. So that's been fun to process while doing BDSM. But ironically, like I'm, ta- I'm talking with a therapist now, I've basically felt like I've had no control in my life, pretty much all my life. And he's like, do you realize how ironic it is that you're a dominatrix? I was like, yeah, I've been told that a few times already. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, you can also integrate, you know, in a productive and healthy way where you do still have control. Um, Because I think a lot of people who grow up in households that are really controlling, developed, quite the people-pleasing need, too, right? I'd say the South is pretty good about that because we have, you know, those upheld beliefs of you must follow your family's traditions and things are the way they are because I said so. Yeah, so if you you look at, like, BDSM and, and you're creating a structure for yourself where you can be in control but still, and, like, have healthy boundaries while still centering other people's pleasure kind of like according to the way that you were raised. Oh, yeah. And something that's been pointed out in BDSM, it's not not the same for everybody, but a good majority of people use BDSM and kink for healing, whether it's healing from traumas or from whatever. A lot of people use it for that purpose. So maybe not necessarily to get something sexual out of it, just to kind of deal with, whatever demons they have. And I've kind of found that that's what I like too. And I've helped a few people out with theirs as well. So it's kind of like a, yay, everybody's good. And you could possibly orgasm, maybe, if I say so. So everyone's happy. I wonder how much of that is in the animal play, like for men, you know, wanting to feel safe. Oh, that's extremely common. Yeah. That's actually extremely common for, like, men and women, of course, are in it, too. People, like, it's a thing where people are like, oh, women don't do this. Yes, they do. Oh, I've seen some adorable female puppies. I want female puppies. But um, a lot of them, and I've also heard this in the um, littles realm. I don't participate in it, but I've talked with littles. And... Both sides, the pets and the littles, they will use it as a form of escapism to, you know, escape from their everyday lives and for a little bit just have the simple pleasures, whether it's chasing a ball or coloring in a coloring book, just the little things. And that's really nice, too. Yeah, we don't 
culturally really place a lot of priority on whimsy or play or safety or, you know, any of those kinds of things. Go, go, go. Do, do, do. Make Mm -hmm. money. Make money. Yeah. Of course, I I love what I do because I can make money. (laughs) Sure. I mean, you know, you got to have money. Oh, yeah. But I also enjoy, you know, getting to express these things, getting to express a whole side of, oh, yeah, I'm so in control. Like, truth be told, I have a video out where, because I had an emotionally abusive ex, I have a video out where I am tearing him down. I don't know if he'll ever see it, and I don't care if he does. And I have people message me. They're like, wait, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Why? I just got married. Why? But it was like, and my husband sat on the couch while I was filming it, and he was like, how does that make you feel getting that all out? And I'm like, that actually feels quite nice. Getting to do, say all the words that I can't, that I never got to say to him, nor will I ever, because I don't want to see his face again. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you've really worked hard on working out, like integrating working out your own stuff through BDSM. Oh, I didn't realize it would be such an integral thing until, because, I mean, this main trauma happened in May, so I'm still working on it now. But then I guess it just really clicked to me of how great BDSM is for this reason. I know people that, like, a lot of times people say that um, if there's somebody who is quiet and shy, doesn't really speak much, they're more likely to be dominant. And those that are in higher power positions, they make all the decisions, are more likely to be submissive. Because it's like they get to gain control or lose the control, and they're happy with that. I mean, not to say that for everyone. I'm a very dominant personality, and I'm a dom, so, eh, there you go. What do you wish that more people understood about kink and about sex work? Oh, goodness, I actually I actually studied on this one and thought about it really hard. So, quiz time. <laughs> um, <laughs> Runs away. Yay! So I'll first go with, I could separate the two out with kink and sex workers because they each have their own distinct stereotypes, and then they also meld together. So with kinksters, you know, people see them a lot of times as, oh, they're devious perverts. They want to... I don't know, they want to turn your children into kinksters and they just do these nasty, terrible, horrible things. They're so abusive to each other. And it's like, one, we want to keep your children as far away from this as humanly possible. So, no, we don't want them. Um, And, you know, they don't realize that, yeah, you'll see, like most stereotypical scenes are like a dom whipping a submissive or beating them with something. But they don't realize, like, safe, sane, consensual. That is a huge motto in kink. Well, everything's safe. We want everybody to be of the right mind. And most importantly, consent. People don't realize, you know, people will ask, mistress, will you beat the crap out of me? They don't don't think it's all consensual. And then with sex workers in general, um... Of course, there's the major stereotype of they are, they're lazy. They just, you know, oh, they're just doing this because they don't want to get a real job. And they're, they don't work hard to do this. All you got to do is sit naked. And, that, you know, they're all drug addicted. They're all, just, they're all broken. Um, there's another word I wanted. Uh, I'll figure it out in a little bit. But, that you know, they are these broken, messed up people. And then from, might have been this podcast or might have been another one, I had heard the, you know, like, everybody knows a sex worker. They just don't know that. So, I mean, your average person, it could be the woman that sits next to you at lunch and shares her cucumber slices with you. Could be the nice waitress at Waffle House. It could be the little old lady you helped walk across the street, you know? Anybody could be a sex worker. And, of course, there are the ones that are drug addicted, which, if any are and hear this, get help, please. It'd be for your own good. 
Um, but that's not the stereotype for everybody. I mean, sex work is not a lazy job at all. I grind super hard for what I do, and I don't make a lot of money right now. That's why I have a full-time job. Um, so it's definitely not lazy work at all. I mean, combining the kink with sex work, it's a combination of, you know, we're not crazy abusers like Christian Grey. Don't get me started on Fifty Shades of Grey. It sucks. Um, we're not... <laughs> oh, just, the bane of no. every dominatrix's existence. I will say there were two upsides to it. One was apparently they kept a paper mill from shutting down somewhere. So, I mean, that's cool. Whatever. Okay. And they brought... And they brought BDSM to the public light so people actually explore it. And then they learn, you know, um, sexual abuse is not kink here, guys. That's kind of not a cool thing. Abuse means non-consent. What are some of the challenges about your job that you, like, what, what, do, you, what do you not like particularly? Weirdly enough, I'm not that great at social media, but, like, I could be on it. But I don't constantly post pictures. I don't constantly do things. Luckily, my wonderful husband has offered to do promotions for me. So hooray. And sometimes, like, depending on your health and your body, you may not want to work. I actually went about a year with what my doctor thought was an autoimmune disease that caused severe joint pain, severe fatigue. I didn't want to do anything. It's actually within this past year that, Miraculously, after moving away from my parents, my symptoms cleared up. So, ah, stress is weird, I guess. But it's still like you come home and you're tired, but you're like, I got to shoot these clips to post up this week. You know, time, energy, that kind of thing. Promos, freaking time wasters. No one likes the time wasters. The whole, the process of establishing yourself on on a side hustle that you want to be, have become your full-time gig is it can really be exhausting oh absolutely and now we're trying to do business planning because i eventually want to open my own dungeon and so i mean we're not going to do it right now because one money two coronavirus is a thing so we're like planning and imagining a place that has like a dungeon but also has space for burlesque because like i've mentioned to you over the phone I do burlesque, which is always fun. But I mean, that's that's for a while. Do you find that? I mean, it sounds. I mean, you definitely like went into the correct thing when you know you bring up coronavirus. It's like, oh, I'm glad I've already been doing this online for a while. <laughs> oh, exactly. That was. I mean, that's part of why I emailed you because from listening to everybody else, I'm like, well, there's two distinct things that separate me. One, I'm predominantly online, so when coronavirus hit, it didn't affect me because I'm on the Internet anyway. And two, I feel like, you know, the other people I heard about, they're like, oh, I've done this 10, 20 years. I'm like, I've only done this for three. But I feel like sharing my story would be helpful for other doms that are like me that are new and just now getting into it and just figuring out what the heck they're going to do with it, you know? So it's like, why not just talk about that? Yeah, it sounds like you found your niche um, just by continuing to show up and do stuff, right? I mean, and, and people oh, yeah. would come to you with kind of these outlandish or kind of off the off the beaten path kinks, and you'd be and you were one of the people who's like, yeah, I'll try that, sure, and then find you're good at it. Like, people love foot fetishes. I don't care about feet, but I will cater to a foot fetish. You want to give me money to... I've had people pay for a video I do where I am shaving the calluses off my toes, cracking my toes, and putting lotion on my feet. It's like, I I don't get turned on by that whatsoever, but I know someone else does, and I enjoy that. (laughs) Yeah. I'm telling you, you could make a video of just about anything, and it's kink. All right. Well, is there anything else that you, is there anything that you, we didn't get a chance to talk about that you would like to talk about? I think that's more of a question for me to ask you. Is there anything else that you feel like could be covered or whatever? Because I know I went on a million tangents between Pet Petlay, the internet, Waffle House, and politics. I think that's You know, a normal conversation. (laughs) It's a normal conversation for us, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
it sounds like a normal conversation I'd have with anybody, really. Yeah, exactly. All right, I think that's perfect, <laughs> and we'll leave it there. Give me uh, where yes. can people find you? I'm at Instagram and Twitter under Caged Quail, or look up Mistress Quail Avara. It's one or the other. I'm on Clips for Sale. I'm on many vids under Mistress Quail Avara. I just now started Is My Girl and AVN Stars. So I can be found there, too, under the same thing. That one weird mistress that has a name of a bird. I don't know. And, of course, my own website, mistressquailavara.com. Awesome. All right. Well, I'm everywhere. Thank you very much. It was really good talking. <laughs> thank you very much. All right. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Today's episode was produced by me, Blair Hopkins, with research assistance by Heather Lanier. All in a Day's sex work is brought to you in part by Swap Behind Bars, music by New Orleans' own Johnny Sketch and the Dirty Notes. Check them out at johnnysketch.com. Special thanks, as always, to Alex Andrews. To contribute to the good work she's doing, visit swapbehindbars.org. And remember, All in a Day's sex work is an ever-expanding narrative. If you are a sex worker, partner, patron, or other adult industry-adjacent person, I want to hear from you. Email me at info at adswproject.org.